Hey, this is Ro Ponigonti, and you're listening to Adrian Has Issues, my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Adrian Has Issues, the conversational podcast celebrating the culture of creativity. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Alan Brash to the show. Alan is best known as the owner and editor-in-chief of Game Grooves, which was founded in 2008 under the name Game Art Gazette. For those of you who may not know, Game Grooves basically aims to celebrate video game music community with a plethora of projects that include covers of varying music styles, uh, video games themselves. Matter of fact, you've come off a pretty awesome year. Uh, Let's run down the list real quick. There was Link 182, which was the pop punk tribute to The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. There was Spiral Mountain, which was a folk tribute to Banjo-Kazooie. And what we'll be talking about today is Scario Kart, which might, uh, dare I say, be uh, probably one of my personal favorites. It is a ska tribute to the music of Mario Kart 64, uh, which is uh, celebrating its anniversary. Oh my gosh, it's been 25 years. That is wild to think about. Yeah, it makes me feel very old. <laughs> Because I remember when it came out, and it was so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Alan, thank you for stopping by. It's uh, nice to meet you officially. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, one of the fringe benefits of doing this show is that talking to so many different creators, uh, sometimes names will pop up. Like when I spoke to Ropanaganti about his contribution to the album Fuzzy Pickles, Game art came up a lot, and of course, Game Grooves. And since then, it's like anytime I've seen him at a virtual concert, like on Twitch, nine out of ten times he'd be wearing a Game Groove shirt, you know, with that G. And like mm-hmm. that G kind of got like ingrained in my memory. And when the opportunity to speak to you came up, it's like I have to finally meet Alan Brash. Like I said, I've heard so much about you, I've really enjoyed your projects. So this is a bit of a treat to get to meet you officially. So again, thank you so much. Well, oh, thank you. That's <laughs> That's probably far too generous, but uh, I'm I'm glad to know that Roe is repping the Game Guru shirt, and I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, the last time I remember seeing it was Virtua Angaku's like Christmas show or something. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yes. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to talk about any and all things related to like, Game Grooves and video game music. I had said this online in a story where I. I didn't want to be too dramatic, but I had to kind of make a point of saying publicly that video game music has been a very big part of my life. You know, I always tell the story about, you know, my sister and I, you know, it's just been a part of our lives. And one of the best things I think to happen to me, at least personally, was being introduced to this entire community of musicians, uh, you know, bloggers, like all different types of people who all share a mutual love of not only the games, but the music behind it. And, you know, I do want to definitely get into Scario Kart, but I want to at least just build a little bit of your backstory, because like I said, I've known you from Game Grooves and like the work that you've done. One of the questions I was like asking is, and and it's a little bit of a loaded question, but how does it get here? Because obviously you are a big fan of video games and video game music, 
But to make the decision or the move to help bring that up and to the point where now you're, you know, helping produce compilations and also just you have a blog, like you have um, a podcast of your own, which matter of fact, I believe Ro Panagazzi hosts Uncovered. Yeah, Ro hosts that. <laughs> um, so there, you know, you've built this really nice little corner of the VGM world and bringing all this stuff to light. How does even Game Mark then, well, Game Girls really come to be? Uh, how much time do you have? No. Um, <laughs> I know, like I said, it's a very loaded question. I, 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 I definitely admit that. Well, I, I'll, stay, I'll say it like this. You know, it's, it's very fitting that we're talking about this now because I've kind of unofficially, officially teased our next album, uh, which is a Sonic Adventure 2, uh, 2 tribute album. Okay, so it's not a double-disc album. There are two separate albums. Uh, one is uh, Live and one is Learn. And there's the hero side and there's the villain side, right? Um, but the reason I mention that is because I Sonic Adventure 2 soundtrack is the first time I remember like listening to a game soundtrack outside of the game, if that makes sense. Well, that's not right. technically true, but where I was obsessively listening to it, like I burned a CD and would make my friends listen to it and would drive around and like it I I, I loved that soundtrack for so many reasons. Um but Another soundtrack that really was important to me was Metroid Prime because that was when I started. That soundtrack was so important to me because it, it inspired me to start creating music on my own, which I wouldn't say any of it's very good, but it still is like personally <laughs> fulfilling making it and then listening to it. And so, you know, I, I those that's where it started, I think, because obviously I, I liked video games and obviously, you know, you get tunes stuck in your head like super mario 64 was the first console game i had so obviously i have a strong connection with its music but it was probably when i was like 16 17 that i really first started noticing wow i really like this kind of music i want to listen to this outside of the game um and then you know fast forward to uh working a kind of monotonous job where I'm doing the same thing every day, and it doesn't change very often. So what do I do to keep myself entertained? I started listening to soundtracks. And then from there, I uh, I had been kind of... I had brushed with the VGM community. Like, I, I, I listened to this one artist, Jam2995, uh, who used to do a lot of covers back in the day, um, around 2010 and 11. And so I knew, like, people were would, would make video game covers, but I wasn't, like fully aware of just how many people right and then uh, thanks to jam or i think his name's jake jake mccoy i discovered a whole bunch of other video game music musicians because of a, a charity album called multiplayer charity and that's where i was first introduced to people like ro panaganti and so i don't know why but i just i, I had a slew of ideas that of, of things i wanted to do with with the internet and i you know, creating these online communities. And a lot of these ideas just kind of came out and fizzled. And one idea I had was, well, maybe I'll make playlists of these cover artists because then it would be cool to, like, find Zelda covers and just hit play and then, you know, you can chill and listen to Zelda covers. Right. And and, and that was Gamelark. That was Gamelark in its infancy, um, which was my previous endeavor. And so I started out creating playlists and then I thought, well, how do I make my own original content? I'm not going to make covers, but I want to know more about the people who do make these covers. And so I started interviewing people and then it just kind of snowballed from there. I was interviewing people and then creating additional content, some of it memeable, 
Um, there's there might be a a, a Ropanaganti cooking like YouTube poop edit that I did that I'm very proud of to this day. It is completely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but either way, I just got in. I just kind of immersed myself in the video game music community, and that was around 2015. So you know, I was with GameLark for years, uh, a couple years. Worked on several albums um, for one re- for many reasons. None of you know there was no big drama. It was just a lot of things were going on in my life. Um, I had just gotten married. I was about to have a kid. I was like, I can't really afford to keep doing these <laughs> albums out of pocket. Right. So I stepped away, and then I eventually it, it you know Row took over. It was kind of several iterations, but Row eventually led GameLark, and I kind of stopped doing VGM for a while, which was hard because. I missed it, you know. Yeah. I just did, and and I, I kept thinking about it, and I was like, well, if I were to do it again, what would I do differently? And so, I don't know if this is important, but <laughs> I I on a random work trip, I ran into a mastering engineer for a rock band. He is legend. I don't know if anybody knows them. Oh, he is legend. Whatever. Wait, really? Yeah. Holy! Cow. I ran into their mastering engineer, which this is like if you believe in God or fate or whatever. It had to be that because we were on a flight at like two o'clock in the morning and I had a he I think he had a he is legend hoodie on. I was like, hey man, cool band. He's like, You like them? Yeah, I mastered their last album. I was like, no way. So I started talking to him about <laughs> Game Lark and he's like, Yo, you should do that again. That's really cool. And I was like, I know, I know, but I just don't have the time. I had all these excuses. Right. And then I, I started thinking about it and I was like, Well, what would I do differently? Um and, and I think and I'll publicly admit this, one of the things where I felt like I struggled with GameLark was, you know, initially GameLark was very similar to GameGurus where I was creating community content and then I started the label and then I kind of exclusively focused on the, the albums and the community content kind of fell by the wayside just because I only have so much time. Right, and you're only one person and you have a whole family. Right, with GameGurus I realized there's this really symbiotic relationship between the community side of things, aka the blog or whatever. I call it Game Grooves Gazette. I have so many, so many branding terms. You, it's too many, but I love it. <laughs> so there's Game Grooves Gazette, which is like the website, and then Game Grooves Music, which is all the records. And then under the records, we have Game Grooves Charity, which is obviously charity, and Game Grooves Elements, which are the compilation albums, and Game Grooves Alliance. So you see there's a lot of, it's a lot of moving pieces. Right, no Anyways, doubt. I learned with Game Grooves that or I learned from GameLark and applied this to GameGurus, said, I don't want to strictly focus on putting music out without listening to music and seeing what's going on with the community and creating content that I think helps everyone else. And that's a perfect segue for what's happening this year, which I don't know if I'm, I'm a little crazy for doing this, but uh, I've just announced today the GameGurus 2022 album challenge, which is essentially telling people you know, hey, let's work together. It's not a competition. There's no winners. Mm-hmm. It's everybody's in this together. The goal is to create a five-track cover album by the end of the year. And every couple months, literally every two months, we'll be going to the different stages of production for an album. So you have like this January and February is the like album idea. Like you're just coming up with a concept for what you want to do. And then arrangement. And then um, recording, and then mixing, mastering, and then marketing, right? So, uh, you know, that is important to me because I feel like if I lose my connection with the community, then I don't get that excitement to keep producing. 
And also, I just don't feel like it, it I feel like it's a very one way street. It's a very um, lopsided relationship. No, because no. I obviously rely on, you know, VGM fans and ultimately VGM creators are like most of the hardcore diehard fans are people that create covers themselves. So I want to make sure that that it's, you know, a symbiotic relationship. So that's the relationship I think between the website and the the record labels. I need I need both. Also, I'm sure people can understand this. I I wanted a platform for for me to share this music because truthfully there aren't many places where you can share video game covers and get coverage. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I've tried share like if you're lucky you get on like Zelda Informer or something like that, but there aren't any. Besides like VGMO and maybe a handful of other sites, um, I'm trying to think, is VGMO the one that's still going? One of them, one of them shut down. I think OSV, original sound version, is I, as far as I know, defunct. VGMO is still going on, going strong, but they have a much stronger focus on original soundtracks and less so on the covers. Whereas Game Cruise is flipped. We have a stronger focus on covers and remixes with a little bit of coverage for original soundtracks. So you know, I created this platform and then I launched the the label and I, it's a balancing act ever since, you know, making sure that I'm doing both. And this year I've committed myself to doing not just this challenge, but creating like articles and resources and hopefully podcasts. You know, it's all up to Roe. I let Roe do what he wants because he knows <laughs> what he's doing. But essentially just trying to create all these resources for anyone that's thinking like, I want to take this to the next level. I want to try and, you know, polish my craft. And I have, you know, several people that will be helping me in, in giving feedback to anyone that wants it. Um, so as far as the, the album production goes, and that's where we, that's how we got to where we are now. So essentially, uh, you know, it started when I was a teenager and then it kind of like just developed more when I became an adult. <laughs> I was doing soul crushing work and I needed something to get me through the day and video game music was that. <laughs> and then uh, I kind of always found my way. Oh, God. So many projects I've created, there is, and I've talked about this before with guests, a level of, like, frustration, and not necessarily like this, like, this angry, like, you know, begging your fist against the desk, like, you know, as God is my witness, I'll never go hungry again, kind of. <laughs> it's almost more of right. a, I need something else. Right. And this gave me so much, and I want to give back to it. Which is funny that right. you're talking about burning the Sonic Adventure soundtrack, and now I feel... 100% validated because I did the exact same thing. You have no idea mm -hmm. how many times I burned like those tracks, like CDs. LimeWire downloads and then CD burning. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, okay. For those of you under like 20, <laughs> it was it was a different time. It was a very different time. Like the yeah. idea, I, I guess, oh my God, now I, now I sound old because that was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But that's such a like fascinating thing and i did listen to your uh, discussion with roe and something that was brought up a lot or at least brought up that i found interesting was the fact that as the scene continues to grow continues to evolve and i still feel like in a way not that this is like brand new like it started last year but you know it's still in a, a process of growing and you know people are figuring things out and doing it in their own way but getting the word out there but and as you've seen and as we've seen, because obviously you are a fan of music as as I am I, as things continue to grow, you know, there's always that challenge to stand out and to do things differently. But I think with Game Grooves is great because it's not just necessarily like, 
hey, I'm putting this together as a vanity project. I'm doing this to highlight and also add resources because that's also something that is tough for people who are coming in. It's good to have something of a guide or someone to help introduce people in where it doesn't seem so intimidating and also, which is something I think is super important, not gatekeeping either, you know, to be like welcoming and inviting. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I do want to say, for the record, I would consider this Sonic Adventure 2 project total vanity project because it is my favorite soundtrack. But, I mean, it is a great soundtrack. So, at least I, like I said, my, my pitch for that was like, let's do two albums and then we can have a hero and villain. And I think that's cool. And I'm I'm going to play that up so hard for marketing and have people pick sides and such. Uh, you'll be able to hear some music from it probably in the next couple of weeks. But uh, it's great. It's, it's really exciting, but, uh, yeah, I would agree. You know, I think that was, you're probably talking about the question of how has the VGM scene changed, uh, in the past couple of years and, oh man, I'm going to get on my pedestal here. I'm getting on my soapbox because I literally talked about this very thing with somebody the other day, uh, literally yesterday about one of my pet peeves and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying people aren't entitled to their opinions, but it drives me nuts when I hear things like, oh, video game music's so oversaturated because everyone's doing it now. And I'm like, okay, who is who is dictating like, all right, we have this many artists, we can't have any more. You know, there's too many metal people. There's too many guitarists making covers. You know, we gotta, we gotta stop, you know? Like, I understand from the perspective of the more people you have, it might be harder to stand out. You know, when you're, when 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you were doing, you know, jazz covers, you probably are one of a hand few, handful of people. And now there's plenty of people doing that. But I don't see that as a problem. Right. Because if anything, that's more people to reach out to and say, like, how did you approach to this? Um, and I think worst case, oh, how about this? You know, a, 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 if I'm giving, like, the benefit of the doubt, it's just people that, like, maybe, I don't know what their, their rationale is. But sometimes I feel like that statement in and of itself is a form of gatekeeping. Right. Since you mentioned it. Because it's like, oh, well... There's too many people doing this, and then, you know, they're taking away from the talented people. And, and, and then I think that's like a totally separate discussion of, you know, popularity, discoverability, and algorithms, that awful word that everyone loves to throw around. The idea being like, well, there's great stuff that's being lost because there's so much crap coming out. And it's like, that's not true. Like, I think that the, the platforms have changed within the past, you know, five or six years. And YouTube, for everyone is no longer what it used to be. And I think we as a community have to like realize that and adapt to it and say, well, okay, you know, maybe, maybe the dream, maybe the dream is no longer like creating weekly covers to make a living. It's, it's creating, you know, a couple covers, you know, a month or a cover a month, and then trying to build that toward a different audience or showcasing a different thing you know i i don't know i'm just i'm i kind of on my soapbox about no but i think there's some validity to that there has to be some aware self-awareness that this is a community that like i i'm of the mindset the more people the better um and and when when what i think you know if you could say well alan what would you change about the video game music community I wish that more people outside of just the people creating VGM would be aware of it. And that's one of the big goals of game groups. And it's great that we're going to talk about Scario Kart because that is a perfect example of a situation where, well, thanks to Jer and Jer's manager, we were able to bring VGM to a whole new audience, and that is the the Ska audience. So yeah, that's 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 my soapbox. My soap, I'm off my soapbox now. I just <laughs> no. This is your it, it drives me nuts sometimes because, like I said, I, I, 
on the on the one hand, I sort of understand where people are coming from when they say that, but on the other hand, I'm just like it's it's the same thing as people saying, "Okay, we have too many metal bands. We need to stop having metal bands." I'm like, "There's never too much metal." You know, yeah, there's way more metal bands than there used to be, but now you get all kinds of cool like crossover and mm-hmm. like Exactly. You know, genre mashing and like I I don't even remember the band's name, but I heard like R and B metal the other day, and I was like, this is like really cool. So yeah, th- th- there is the challenge of standing out when there's so many other people doing it, but I think that's a good thing because it forces people to be creative about arrangements and production styles and and um, format. You know, yeah. The way I see it, because that's I've had to happen with podcasting and all different kind of communities, but. At the end of the day, it's like I, I got really anxious about it, but I know that there's only one Adrian King, as far as I'm concerned, unless, you know, there's another one out in the multiverse. I, who knows? But there's only one of me. Evil there's only Adrian one. <laughs> there's only one of you. You know, there's only one like, you know, Ro Panaganti or, you know, Lacey Johnson or Jewel Maiden, whoever, whomever it may be. So all the more reason that, like, it has to come from someplace personal and genuine. But, you know, getting right. to Scario Kart, like I said, there was a perfect example of that because like you said you pulled in the scott community which look you know i'm gonna get on my soapbox you know i've grown up always enjoying scott you know especially in the era which i grew up i guess what is considered like third wave scott always kind of been a fan and yeah i mean we kind of poke a little bit of fun at it like we do a lot of things but it's so much fun and hearing this album and like these interpretations like is really cool and it's you know like i can't think of how many scott covers there are of video game music but i think that's what speaks to the strength of this album and also game grooves is finding unique ways to interpret music that you know like i said we both grew up listening to so again like i i go i want to do get more into you know pulling in of you know the scott community because at least from my understanding it it kind of almost happened, dare I say, on a whim. Like, he kind of just sent the message out into the world. That was 100% a whim, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't even remember the exact, like, catalyst for this because, I mean, the catalyst was me watching Ska Tune Network covers and thinking, oh, I wonder if we could do a cover album of Ska covers. Uh, I didn't know Jer personally. Um, I only knew them from Ska Tune Network, and then I eventually knew them from Jer, and then also... We are the union, but I that was that was my the extent of my knowledge of basically like modern ska, and I sent a message to them, and their manager responded, uh, Brent, and said, "Hey, this sounds cool. Jer's interested. Uh, what do you need from us?" And and so my my thought process was, okay, well, I want to do a ska first album, meaning like I want to find as many ska artists as I can. So I asked Brent, hey, could you just spread the word and see who's interested? Thinking, like, maybe I'll find, like, one or two other people. It's like, I think there was eight or nine people that responded. Oh, man. They were all super stoked. And I'm like, what? And I just have to say, from this experience, I love, love the ska community. The, like, whatever you want to call it, DIY ska or whatever. There's just, I feel like they have such an irreverent sense of humor they're extremely friendly and collaborative um, like i said very similar to the vgm community mm-hmm. where you don't see like the the competitiveness or whatever you want to call it. It, it you see in other communities you don't see people tearing each other down it's it's very supportive um so you know that's one 
one perk of, of putting together this album is I've been introduced to, to so many cool artists, so many cool creators. Uh, but essentially, you know, thanks to Jer and Brent, uh, they kind of filled up half the album. And I said, okay, well, I'll take the other half and I'll open that up to Game Grooves and see who wants to join it. So it's about half and half. It's about half of half ska artists who I, you know, some of them might have done covers before, obviously, Jer, because of Scott 2 Network. But, um, you know, some of the other Scotters, I, I don't think had done video game covers before, but they were totally down. And they obviously knocked it out of the park. Uh, and then obviously I gave Game Grooves artists a chance to make ska covers, which... You know, who doesn't want to do that? So we we ended up with a nice, I think, you know, blend of what I would consider VGM and Ska uh, communities. And so, again, that was kind of my goal with Game Grooves is like, let's get this beyond just the typical communities that we were seeing, like YouTube and SoundCloud, and start getting into these other communities that might not be aware of video game music. And I think that is a, a, a big reason for the album's success I mean, I'd be happy to say it is our most successful album. Um, it certainly exceeded all my expectations. And it seems like the reception, not just sales, but the reception, you know, yourself included, has been that people really seem to enjoy it. So, you know, I, I've said many times, it's a total, like, you know, when making albums like a box of chocolates, you, you have no idea how it's going to do. <laughs> you just make the best album you can and hope for the best. And, and do your best for, for marketing, which I'm still trying to figure out. I, I don't know. I feel like it, it, it's like, how, you know, how do you, how do you study marketing strategies for something as niche as video game music? So I worry first and foremost about the album and then like creating an audience of people that are receptive to video game albums. And I feel like that's, that's again, going back to the website, that's where the website is super important and that community is super important because I feel like if we have a core group of people that I know are interested in video game music, mm -hmm. I can at least count on some of those people to be supporting these projects and then, which obviously in turn, like, you know, fund future projects, which <laughs> we have 10 albums coming out this year. I will say two of those are, you know, the Sonic Adventure 2 uh, tribute, but that means eight other albums still in the works, so... It does add up. <laughs> oh, no doubt. And, you know, those costs uh, also add up. And I know some people, um, well, I mean, I, I take this um, more in the context of the job market where I've been seeing a lot of tweets about people being more open about the financial side. You know, it's like when signing up for a job and companies should definitely be talking more about the pay or it should be brought up more. It's almost like this sort of dirty secret. Like you're not really supposed to talk about the financials much, but... You know, we're all adults here. Obviously, none of this comes from nothing. Like, it has to be funded. And, you know, of course, doing it in ways that are honest. So, like, I get that. But at the same time, one of the great things about marketing is for all of the strategy, like, word of mouth is still, you know, super viable and super important. You know, it's the word of mouth that, mm -hmm. you know, I came across it. It's word of mouth that I came across you. Right, you know, Roe had spoke so highly of you during his appearance on a podcast. Um, that this was going back, I think, during twenty twenty. Matter of fact, I think it was that summer. Right. So, you know, and it's like obviously doing good work. You know, trying to be your, you know, put your best foot forward. People will talk, and not just in a gossip sense, but just more of a, hey, you put in work with game marketing, game grooves, and it's no accident that you know these people reached out and they just you know said yes. You know, like, I think that 
you showing your enthusiasm, it's almost infectious because if you're not excited about the stuff you're doing, no one this is going to be either. Uh, that's a very good point and something I agree with. And as a side note, every time I talk about game groups, my wife, she just asked me, like, how do you get all these people, most of whom you've never met, to, like, work on this stuff and then give you their tracks and allow you to... I'm like, I have no idea. I do. I say I have no idea, but I do believe that it's... You have to have the, the passion and enthusiasm and, you know, yeah, you have to. You, you have to. Um, you have to find the fun in it because, you know, there's always... There's always uh whatever the the parts that are not quite so fun, i.e. like entering <laughs> um, licensing information for like 15 tracks, you know, staring at a sound drop entry screen. But for me, it's it's simple and it's fun. It's simple in the sense of we want to pay tribute to these games and these albums that mean to a lot to us personally, and uh, it's fun because it's you never know what you're going to get. You know, I try to. When I'm working on albums, I try to think of some kind of pitch or twist now. You know, something that I can, something that's easily graspable. Like you, Scario Kart, Mario Kart, Mario Kart Ska. I feel like that's a pretty interesting proposition for most people, right? right? Link 182, Pop Punk, Legend Zelda. Okay, cool. Because I feel like that's that's really what I've focused on now um, is those kinds of things. You know, obviously we still have charity albums, so those are sometimes like themed a little differently. And, you know, Sonic Adventure 2 is not so much about a specific genre, more about celebrating all the genres on that soundtrack. But, yeah, I think enthusiasm is definitely key. And then I've really been working on, you know, some of the other harder things like keeping track of sales, finances, creating spreadsheets so that the album production is smooth and people know what to expect. Discord is a huge tool that we use to, to just keep track of things. And, and and this year, you know, I obviously was focusing on uh, the website, but I'm also, also focusing on providing value for, like, game gurus, artists, trying to create, like, a roster and then maybe, like, a collab list for people to share, like, what instruments they can provide and that kind of thing. That is smart, because I know that if I were starting a band, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, like, oh, no, I would no, want to know, like, okay, if I'm looking for a particular instrument or maybe if looking for someone even to do, like, engineering type stuff, you know, right. like it's it could like I said, it could be really intimidating for someone just kind of coming in. So having places where you can find that information uh, relatively easily does, uh, I think, a world of wonders, because I think what sometimes stops a lot of people isn't necessarily always about drive and passion, but also just ease of access. Right. Right. And, and in breaking the ice, I mean, and that's a whole other thing. I I definitely plan on making article like collaboration for beginners, you know, having people like Roe and Lacey kind of give some tips and pointers, what to do, what not to do. Um, as far as trying to collaborate, obviously it, it starts with just, I think it starts with connecting with people mm -hmm. and just saying, Hey, this, this, this thing you did is cool. And, and, and I say do that without any expectation of reciprocity. Like don't go into it saying like, Hey, I liked your cover. What do you think of mine? You know, like just make it a, a statement and then allow the connection to happen or not happen. It's funny now thinking about it, because like I said, you mentioned it earlier, the somewhat similarities between the video game and Scott community. One thing I know about video games, at least, because like I said, I'd be lying if I said that I was like the foremost expert on Scott, um, <laughs> but it's something I've always enjoyed. But the older I get, the more people I meet, the more I realize is that something that felt niche like video games, I only to realize that 
it was a lot more commonplace. It's just that it was something that, again, it was seen as niche only because people didn't really have, I don't know if it was just a comfort or just a culture, but just even casually talking about video games was something that didn't really happen a lot. You know, like right. a lot of times in the places I used to work, I was usually the youngest person. And, and there are people who were playing video games, but like they were like, well, that's just kid stuff. And I'm like, it's not, though. Like it's all different type of people are playing. All different type of people are experiencing it. And I think as the gaming world grows, I think we'll hopefully have less of an issue as far as getting people excited about the music side of things. Oh, for sure. I think that's already happening. I mean, you're seeing like full-blown world tour concerts, you know, with full orchestras for things like Zelda or Final Fantasy. And I totally agree that that gaming culture is now pop culture. You know, it wasn't that way 20 years ago, maybe even 15. Like it 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 really was I mean, it, it had entered pop culture, but it wasn't as like socially acceptable it wasn't like you like you said you could just talk to whomever about it but in terms of video game covers and remixes i feel like that has grown exponentially as internet culture has become more and more popular in in there's been different platforms for, for people to gather around you know you had you had people doing video game covers you know as early as the 90s maybe even the 80s i, I need to make like a history of vgm someday but oh that would be cool time. i would totally be down for that <laughs> sorry the history nerd of me my ears just perked up oh no yeah they're they're essentially were like bands doing covers but there wasn't like a localized scene until you know like ocr and a couple of websites and then it's hard to say like like when you think of music scenes there's usually like a location associated with it mm-hmm. like you know hardcore coming out of like boston in the north northeast or um, let's say jazz in New Orleans, right? There isn't an equivalent really for video game music, except for maybe like you could argue Japan is kind of like the mecca of video game like soundtracks. Like you, know, you can go to record stores and find vinyl and CDs for soundtracks much more than you can over here in the States. But there wasn't like a, I think it made it a little bit more challenging in, in the early days to connect with people that were as enthusiastic about video game covers until you know you started having like youtube right youtube is a big platform for that and that's that was my introduction to the video game uh cover community was people like rob hanaganti and i mentioned jake mccoy family jewels is another big one uh obviously carlos so i think that's really what it was and and now i think you're starting to see you're starting to see locations being associated with what you're saying is we need to find like the Gainesville punk scene, but with VGM. <laughs> yeah. Or like the, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, we kind of already have it. I know like Orlando is really good because of uh, Kent Ward and uh, virtual Angaku. So they throw on shows. Yeah. Shout out to Kent, by the way. Yeah. Kent's, Kent's a great person. So, and obviously I'm, I mean, not to brag as a mailender, but we do have MAGFest here. I'm just saying, you know, National Harbor. <laughs> yeah, kind of I'm, like, I'm kind of jealous. Like I'm in, you know, Northeast Jersey, you know, New York scene. And I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm wait, like, and not, not to say that there, it isn't like big here though, but I'm like, man, like you have that easy in, like, you know, that's MAGFest, like that's, yeah. that's the show. So, <laughs> right. So, so I think it's, and, but even MAGFest only was, I don't know, I don't remember exactly, but 2000, let's say it hasn't been around for that long. So 
I still feel like we're we're in the early stages of like both video game music, like how do I explain? Like vi- like video games as themselves are are relatively still a a new medium compared to things like film, and there's been a lot of changes just you know since video games have really gotten popular. You know, you're seeing like. I don't know, for better or worse, more cinematic scores, which means a lot more people are involved. Like, it used to just be, like, one person. You'd, you'd have, like, David Wise or Grant Kirkhope or, you know, Koji Kondo pumping out a killer soundtrack, right? And now you have, like, full-blown orchestras and you have all these other people that are involved. And that's great because it creates jobs and it creates new ecosystems, right? Um, and you still have, I feel like, if you're not so much into the cinematic type soundtracks, which I mean, I'm, I'm for both, but I think there's a place for cinematic and, and a little bit more traditional right. sounding game soundtracks. I Agreed. feel like Indie's the place. Indie's the place for it now. Indie is, you know, with Lena Rain and Celeste and um, what is it? Uh, I Can Fell this past year was another favorite of mine. So I feel like that is where that kind of individualistic spirit continues. And I feel like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It totally makes sense that you'd, for the larger games, you need probably a a larger sound palette. But for these smaller, um, more focused experiences, more personal experiences, it makes sense to have only a couple people working on the soundtrack. Um, And obviously cost, you know, you can, not every game has the budget for, you know, a full-blown orchestra. So that's one way I think video game music as a video game music, not talking about covers, but like the actual soundtracks has changed. And then the cover community has changed because, like I said, we have more and more communities popping up, communities like Game Grooves. And obviously there's other older communities like, uh, like I said, OCR, Dwelling of Duels, um, Game Shops, and, and places like that. So I don't know where things will go from here because I do feel like you know, if you're saying, like, where do you go from here with game grooves, I, I don't fully know because, I mean, obviously, I think, like, the pinnacle for me, if we're talking strictly about covers, would be to do, like, an official range album or something. But I've also had ideas, you know, this <laughs> like, years down the road when I actually start making money from this, of, like, producing video games, you know, with game grooves artists and kind of creating games with a heavy focus and heavy emphasis on the music and the soundtracks and like putting out multiple versions of the same soundtrack, some something along those lines. Yeah, so that would be really cool. Cause I've seen that growth too, with not only just, you know, the video game music community, but also like the indie developer community. But, right. and that's, you know, <laughs> and not to necessarily thumb my nose at the mainstream because, you know, everything has its place. I'd be lying if, you know, this is just my personal take, but the indie scenes and indie communities will always, you know, drive the culture forward. And yes, it definitely deserves to get as much, you know, I don't want to exposure is not the right word because unfortunately that kind of comes with a little bit of a weird connotation. But, you know, definitely get more like, you know, notice appreciation, appreciation that that's actually even more apt. But at the same time, yeah. it's like that underground. And like I said, as someone who loves music and especially like, you know, like hardcore and punk, you know, like that underground was always where you found so much great stuff. And I think that and maybe this is like the old man, like, you know, the, the future's looking bright. The kids got to figure it out. Like, I'm <laughs> right, right. I'm so glad that like my stiff kids have like a big appreciation for games where I'm like, I don't feel so old. But then. I was very excited about the idea that they were potentially going to do, like, um, there was rumors of, like, a Commodore 64, like, classic-type system. 
and the kids are like, mm-hmm. what's a Commodore 64? And then it's like, my world went dark. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> totally understand. For me, and, and you've probably noticed this from the Game Gears releases, like, N64 was when I when I really entered the gaming scene. So I have a lot of love for that era. And I feel like there, there were... It, the soundtracks that were coming out then were just starting to take advantage of, of newer technologies, mm-hmm. but they hadn't quite, like, reached that threshold of, like, let's go for cinematic. And, again, I don't think it's a dirty word. It's just that the... St- I think it has its place. I don't want to say games that go for a cinematic feel are doing it wrong because it's all about the vision of whatever game, you know, whatever the game is trying to do. Right. Um, if you have games that, like like Uncharted, you know, obviously that game is designed to be a very cinematic experience. You know, everything, like you have these like these great moments that are like built for the player to kind of live through an experience. It's like Indiana Jones, the, the game. Whereas something like, you know, Wind Waker, you know, you can't have a uh, Uncharted soundtrack match to that game. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. No, not at all. And, and vice versa, you know, the, the soundtrack is, it's core to driving the player forward. And if you had something that was like really loud and <laughs> obnoxious when you're sailing around for like 30 minutes at a time, it would get old super quick. So... Uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. I just want to make it clear that I, I'm, I'm not, you know, hating on modern soundtracks. I just feel like it is more difficult from a covers and arrangement perspective when there aren't as, let's say, strong melodic forces, like so- strong melodies, like you find in like Undertale, uh, for instance, where it's very like easy to pick up, you know, and then everybody can finish it versus, you know, something like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which it's a great soundtrack. Because they they're able to do some cool things with folk vocals, but it's not it's not the same kind of soundtrack, and it's not right. trying to do the same thing. I think it's also worth noting that so an outsider, the more orchestrated type soundtracks, and even the type of games that come with them, you know, like a lot of AAA titles, right? It doesn't need to necessarily. I mean, we both know this, but I'm saying, I guess, from an outsider's perspective, it doesn't necessarily need to have this grand like spectacle in order for it to be considered legitimate or taken seriously. Right. And I guess that's something that obviously I'm seeing and I'm hoping that continues because, again, I, I love all that stuff, but there's a reason why the chatter about the Econfell soundtrack was so great. And even before like I played the game, I just listened to the soundtrack and it's just an experience. So then once I actually was able to play the game, it's like, this was even better. And I think that's also what's cool too, is almost being arranged in a way where it tells the story in and of itself, which it always does. Oh, for sure. And and I'm I'm definitely one of those people that can and will listen to soundtracks before I play a game. Two big examples of that would be uh, Mario Kart 8. Thank you, YouTube, whoever ripped that soundtrack before the game came out. I was bumping <laughs> that soundtrack for months before the game came out. I had every track. And and so when I played the game, it was like, oh, I know this track. I'm so excited for this course. So it like, built up this anticipation. Um, and the same way with with the God of War soundtrack, the 2018 one. And I actually am so glad I really loved and listened to that soundtrack because in the game... Um, they're the you know obviously those moments are great and the soundtrack is great but they're they're they happen once some of those tracks are like oh here's the one thing that happens it's like a five minute track and then you're back to more ambient sounding stuff mm-hmm. so 
like having those powerful songs that I could just listen to over and over and over again and really get a sense of the characters and what they're going through. Um, gosh, there's, what is that track? Is it, I'm not going to remember the title, but one of the tracks would make for an epic metal cover. Someday I'm going to ask somebody to do it. Um, I want to say it's Deliverance, but I don't think that's right. It's the one that, I don't want to give spoilers, but anyways, point is just, uh, I feel like listening to the soundtracks before the game came out actually enhanced the game and the soundtrack. Um, obviously it's not going to be the same for everybody, but I do feel like what we're talking about is the, the game, the soundtrack serves both the game and it serves its own purposes. It's a storytelling device in and of itself. Right. Exactly. Um, So that's why, you know, I, we're working on another album for a game series that I've really never played. I know some of the music, but I, I don't have any strong emotional attachment to it, but I still in totally engage and enjoy the music just as pieces of music because it's great music. And I think that's, that's one, I don't want to say it's much of a stigma anymore because honestly, I'll tell you, most of the people that I talk to about game grooves, you know, gamers, non-gamers, everyone, it, it does somehow pique their interest. Like, oh, oh, that sounds interesting. Like you, you're talking about, you know, people that make music and then like for video games and then covers of that. Like it, it, it is getting to the point where I think, um, we're getting past some of the stigmas about like what video games can be just as a medium. I do feel like, unfortunately, sometimes the the bigger stigma that we have to overcome, we have to overcome, make this sound like it's so like life or death, but it's true. There's this stigma that like covers are inherently less good than the originals and it drives me nuts. And you see that every, go post a cover in a subreddit. You're going to see it within probably an hour if somebody be like, it's not as good as the original. I prefer the original. I was like, uh, it's so many, it's usually the fandoms where it's like, they just don't want, like they, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It's just that stigma of like, oh, it's a cover. Uh, yuck. Sigh. Like, you know, you post a post artwork from a game. You're going to get like thousand of those post a track from a game. It's like five, you know? Right. So that's what I want to overcome is just this, this stigma of like covers being, less than i guess um because in in some cases i mean i go to I, I go to the classics like you know look at Jimi hendrix all along the watchtower i feel like that version is better than the original yeah i think that's like the goal of a great cover isn't to be better than the original but it's to provide an interpretation that resonates with you and with uh, a new audience um so yeah if Jimi hendrix can do it why can't we you know (laughs) (laughs) and if you think about it though i mean we're also saying this was some time removed but i'm willing to bet at that time there was probably a lot of people who probably felt the same way that it was blasphemous how dare he make this cover i mean you know right (laughs) there's always going to be those people and talking about gatekeeping that's that thing of right you're so set and it's funny I'm having this conversation considering that a friend and I, we went on a very uh, long, hysterical rant about Weezer's cover of Africa and how I wasn't a fan of it. But but by the same token, like there is power in these covers. There's power in, of course, the fact that people have found ways to rearrange, interpret, right. do so many things to it. Like that doesn't... And even if it's not for you, because not everything is in all art... Sure. As you try to make it accessible, but it always isn't always the case. But a lot of work went into this, so I was like, even if I don't right. necessarily like, okay, I like the Mega Man games. I like the music more. 
And I think what we're talking about, though, is, you know, if you're talking about disliking one specific cover, that's not quite the same thing as like this attitude that people have that I see where it's just all covers in general. Yeah. Another cover. It's not they're not judging that cover on its merits. They're just kind of attacking cover culture as a whole. Yeah, that that's a whole other rabbit hole I won't go down. Basically, like, you know, there's some people that uh, might believe, like, oh, VGM covers are just ways for people to try and make money off other people's work, which, I, I mean, I don't think anyone realizes how little <laughs> cover artists make. But like I said, the bottom line is that that's, I take issue with, with a more, like, blanket statement, oh, just covers are less than, because... You know, a lot of bands started out making covers. The Beatles started out as a covers band. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if most people knew that, but they did. In their early career, that's what they were doing in Germany and places like that. A lot that. of those so, early artists were covers because most of the people who covered them were usually a lot of, you know, black musicians who unfortunately just were never able to, you know, make that push until... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, now I'm going yeah. down a rabbit hole. Oh, no, that's fine. But I think that maybe this is kind of getting to the core of what makes covers so engaging and important is it's it's i don't want to call it training wheels for composition but in a way it is it gives you a framework it gives you something to work with where you don't have to create everything from scratch and what's more it allows you to practice your craft and so you know i feel like the vgm community is not just great it's not just supportive it's not just collaborative it is like a to use a t- fancy word, a nexus for so many other opportunities, whether that's creating original soundtracks, whether that's getting more into production, like audio production, mastering, producing, um, session work. I know some artists that I spoke with somebody yesterday who really doesn't care all that much for arrangement, but they love session work because they don't have to come up with everything themselves. They're just able to perform it and interpret it the way that they want. So that's what I mean is it's it's a place for you to find yourself, I guess. And and wherever that journey takes you, I think is the right journey, you know, um, as long yeah. as you're doing it for the right reasons, which I would just say, find your intrinsic motivation. And this is, you know, funny enough, what Carlos talked a lot about in his whole video, I'm done being a content creator, is that he was losing that intrinsic motivation and he was trying to find it again, which I totally applaud and understand. I mean, I have to ask myself constantly, like, why am I doing this? Why am I spending so much time on what it amounts to, like, a hobby for most people and what ends up costing me money? <laughs> but hopefully one day will be sustainable. That's my goal. And it's because it's so fun. And, and I, I still get to meet very cool people. I listen to the albums that we make and enjoy them. And, and that's what it boils down to. So there's intrinsic motivations going on. Um, yeah. At least for me. And I think for most of the artists that are working on this stuff. Yeah, that's why whenever people move on or, you know, obviously I love to people see people stay and, and share their knowledge with other people. But when people move on and do other things, I think it's totally natural and it's it's a part of life. It's not just music. It's just how life goes. Because once you have some people leave, you have some new people coming in. It gives them opportunities to learn from the people that came before them. Right. So that is like a very uh, probably too philosophical viewpoint no of not at all covers, but that's but. super important because <laughs> funny enough like i i'm not i don't perform this music but strange enough it's like i think in a way i found myself and a lot of things through this and it's right. interesting right. that you mentioned that video you know i'm done being content creator because i actually just watched that a couple hours ago and right. it's really heavy stuff because that's 
very brave to come to this conclusion, especially publicly, you know, to have produced this and to kind of admit that your life's taking you in a different direction. But at the same time, it's like I applaud it because that that takes a lot. Like I respect people's decisions if they want to stay into this or maybe they're going elsewhere. But the hope is in like any community, and and I know I say this a lot, but it can't be overstated that any community worth its salt, if it wants to grow, it only does that by for every person who maybe goes on, maybe whether it be they gain more notoriety or maybe they want to at least bring up the person behind them. Right. This isn't Resident Evil 4, you know, it's like when the ladders start coming up, don't kick it back down, you know? Like, right. right, yeah, no, totally agree. Like, that's the only way that this continues is whatever knowledge that you have, that I have, that, let's say, Roe or Lacey has, or Kent, whomever we've mentioned and everyone we haven't, to use that to bring it up because that's the only way the stuff grows. Because if not, it gets stagnant. You know, like, it just, right. it festers. And then that's when the resentment sets in. Yeah, and uh, to quote a wise old 900-year-old green uh, alien, pass on what you have learned. That was Yoda's whole speech to Luke, which is, don't just be the last Jedi, pass on what you've learned. So, anyways. Nice. No, totally agree. <laughs> um, I know, and I'm, we're getting, like, super, but I just, I love this stuff so much, and I know it's, level. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to, like, it's hard to not talk about this stuff to be like, oh, yeah, well, VGN's great, these compilations are great, but it's, like, it's so much more than that. It is passion, and that's the thing. I want to hear that passion yeah. from people, because if I, someone's talking to me, it's like, yeah, I guess it's, it's cool, you know, I, it's, it's whatever. And I'm like, all right. I'm just in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I I agree. And I had taken, like, almost a half a year off, like, last year. Um, just had a lot of setbacks. And in that time, really going back to the, like, is this something I can continue doing? But then realizing I keep coming back to it, and it's, like, kind of falling in love all over again. So there's some validity to all of this. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's, to go even one step further, you know, you, like you said, we're finding yourself in this community. It's intrinsic motivations ultimately boil down to like like purpose stuff like things that make us feel fulfilled Mm -hmm. so whatever it is like there's something in it about it for me i guess you know what is the purpose behind it it's kind of like i i think i might have talked about this in a somewhere else and this is probably as high level as i can go but it's working together with friends right like people that i've gotten to know all over the world that are from all different backgrounds all different uh, musical abilities, let's say, working together on something cool, getting to know these cool people. And I, and I think that's because for me, it's hard like entering the, in, entering adulthood, entering the working world. I know you mentioned, you know, you were the youngest person in your office. And so it's like, you don't always have a choice of the environment that you're in when you're working. You don't always have the choice to find like-minded people like you could in, in, in school or college or whatever. And so for me, finding this community of, of people that I consider like-minded, right, that enjoy video games and music, and most of them are very outgoing and collaborative, you know, don't take themselves too seriously because at the end of the day, we're all making video game covers. Um, I think I, like, like that sense of belonging just kind of set in and it was like, oh, okay, now I feel like I belong. And, and, and that sense of belonging was at its strongest for me, my first MAGFest, where I was just walking around and it was like being a kid again. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not the only person that said that, but that was the moment where I was walking around MAGFest for the first time, 
probably like the first day and I was like, this is what I want to be doing. If I could choose what to do in my life, it would be to have moments like this where I'm surrounded by people that are accepting and passionate and it doesn't matter like whether people think it's childish or not in terms of like dressing up as your favorite characters or doing whatever. There's no judgment. It's just be who you are and that's okay. So that is like as high level as I can go. Obviously there's there's some, you know, there's some other like logistics involved with making cover albums, but I think that's what it boils down to is it gives me a sense of community that I that I had been lacking before. And so I, I want to grow that community and nurture it because communities are fun to build, but they are sometimes a little bit difficult to manage in terms of like, you have to make sure they grow the right way. And like I said, in the case of game groups, I don't want to grow too fast. So I, this year I'm really working on just making it sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. Having these resources, the roster was such a huge thing for me to push for because I was like, I'm tired of asking people what their sound drop emails are. I can't keep sending emails about this. So I'm going to create a list and have all this information. And uh, it's a resource for me. It's that kind of stuff that it, it's like, it doesn't actually serve any immediate purpose in terms of like, oh, I need album art or, oh, I need this for an album. It's what's going to make this process smoother. So, you know, my big goal for Game Gears this year is is definitely sustainability. And that's both, you know, logistically in terms of having the processes in place and financially. And, you know, I, I'm I'm well aware of my limits now having done Game Lark and Game Grooves. And I try to make sure I don't go past them and get burned out because that's always a risk. Yes, burnout is 100% real. Ugh. Everyone who's listening, burnout yeah. is real. Matter of fact, there, there's probably going to be a mini episode at one point, but it's real. It exists. Take care of yourselves by all means. Yeah. And I think it's it's hard because sometimes it's not like any specific thing that triggers it it's like a accumulated like right. you just keep working because you're like you're working towards a goal and then you reach a point and you're like why am i doing this and that's kind of what burnout is for me like just lack of motivation i'm just like i don't care about this anymore and it's like i know i care it's just i've pushed myself too hard so, so the sustainability thing is is like i said financial logistical and then i am blessed with some great friends like ro panaganti and peter Trillette. Um, Roe, who has graciously taken over the podcast hosting because I just didn't have the time for it. You know, I have a full-time job. I have two kids. So I am already at my limit as far as free time for this project, you know, for Game Grooves. And funny enough, I, I was on a, I forget where I was going. I was on a trip and I stopped over where Ro lives and we had lunch together at a wonderful barbecue place. And, uh, <laughs> The podcast had kind of been on hiatus. Peter had been running it, and then I took over for a bit. And I just didn't have, like, any strong ideas of what to do with it. And I was like, well, if you want help, I'd be happy to do it. And I was like, really? And I feel like he's the perfect fit for it because he brings a wealth of knowledge and experience that I could never bring. You know, he's done video game covers for probably a decade now, maybe a little more. And so when he talks to guests, he's able to add a totally different perspective. Right. Um, and Peter is still working with Game Grooves, and you'll be hearing from him soon, um, very soon, probably within the next couple months. So I, I that's how I would see Game Grooves growing beyond just the, the website and music, is I want to kind of create opportunities for other people to, to you know, run with things, um, to let their passion come through, however I can. 
Thank you so much, Alan. And again, thank you not only just for talking to me and sharing your experiences, but just thank you for what you do. I I mean, trust me, I don't need thanks. It's fun for me too. You know, it's fun. No, the thank yous are important. And I there's different ways to support. And I, I was just talking to my girlfriend about this uh, last night or night before. It's like, there's different ways to support people. It definitely does help knowing that your hard work does make a difference. You know, even if it is right. like the brand somebody's day, and again, to make it sustainable. So, um, actually, before we wrap up, well, one thing I will say though, um, I, I do hope to maybe chat with you because um, I just found this out prior, but a little bit before the show uh, was just kind of going over my notes, and I didn't realize you were also a big Every Time I Die fan, and uh, I may so have to invite you back hurts. because I've not had. <laughs> the eulogy for what was one of my favorite bands and it's like i actually saw the picture you had posted i didn't even realize yeah. you had the tattoo and it's like dang man it hurts man it hurts that's all i can say about it right now is it it hurts it's been a it's been a tough couple of weeks yeah <laughs> and it it really it's been a t- tough like month and a half like seeing some of the drama unfold and being like what's gonna happen and it's like oh things are better and then it's like no no they're done so Yes, I I will talk with you about that anytime you want. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, just kind of like you said, like a eulogy, talking about the impact that that every time I die has had. Uh, I'd be happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can have it right now because I'm still like in a grieving phase because it's like, yeah, you know, Keith is good. He he's clean. Radical is like this incredible album, and then it's like, well, that's a heck of a way to go out. Well, like I said, it, it, silver lining they went out on a high note, literally. Yeah. I think Radicals are best, uh, if not their best, top three for sure. Ooh. So, all right. So we yeah. might have to come back. All right. <laughs> if you're down for it, at some point later on, uh, when you're not uh, busy, uh, we might have to come back and rank because I'm interested to figure out your, your top picks because that that's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> but before we go, I always like to let everybody know where they can engage with game grooves, interact with you any other like sites or links anything else you want to plug but please feel free to do so sure um two places you can well the one place you can go to find everything game grooves related is the website game-grooves.com um that has you know the latest albums the latest podcasts and the latest articles and then game grooves is obviously on uh you know all the platforms thanks to Sounddrop, one of our great partners um, you know, Spotify, iTunes, and all that. And then we're also on Bandcamp, but but the charity albums aren't because uh, 100% goes to charity and licensing fees are expensive. So that's kind of the trade-off, is it? For band, for charity albums, if you want to, like, support that charity and buy them, you have to go to iTunes or Amazon or whatever. Yeah, Game Crews Uncovered, you can support that, support Row, and support those artists that he talks with. And then you can follow Game Crews on Twitter. That's where I'm probably the most active uh, we also have a public Discord. Um, you can just search for Game Grooves. You'll probably find it. Those are probably the easiest places. We have Facebook and Instagram. Instagrams I probably use more than Facebook. Facebook is just a daily struggle. I'd be like, why do I still have this? Uh, <laughs> I try I try to post, and then it's like, you know, we have 200-something people that like us, and then it's like, five people saw this. And I'm like, okay, Facebook, thanks. Yeah, oh, my thanks God. Thanks for all that you don't do. So if you want to know what's going on twitter's better uh for sure or discord discord's like the the behind the scenes stuff you'll you'll definitely get some like up and coming news if you follow on discord or enter the server 
Excellent. Yeah, Facebook. Oof. Yeah. Oh. I just feel bad because I know there's like one or two people that probably exclusively use it. So I'm like, I'll just do it for those people. There's one or two people that might see like one out of five articles that I share thanks to the algorithms. But anyways, that's that's where you can find gamers. <laughs> and thank you so much. And like I said, I look forward to the possibility of chatting again. Thank you for listening to another episode of HNS Issues. And uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good night, everybody.